As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I am still out at Ashburn getting to watch full practices. It's the last week of that training camp ended last week officially, but we still get this week ahead of the uh, preseason finale Saturday in Baltimore. Uh, today was an interesting day, of course, because today the commanders placed chase young on the pop list, which means he'll miss at least four games into the regular season. We'll get into that in a moment. Plus some other news of the day, some other moves were made. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Ron Rivera. He was asked today, who are some young guys that have stood out? We'll get into some of that. As far as the guests go, uh, friend of the podcast, Mark Bullock, joined me. We talked early this morning before practice. He is, of course, overseas in uh, uh, across the pond. So we talked before I went out there. We broke. It, we discussed, I think, all the things you'd want to hear about from a guy who watches film. What does he think of? Uh, Carson Wentz, and is it, are we seeing any differences in the offense um, with this new quarterback? We, we got into Jahan Dodson, Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson, Jamin Davis, the third down defense, all that good stuff. So we'll get to all that in a few minutes. In addition, a little bit of a fun segment. You may have heard about Chef Mel. Uh, many of us on the beat have mentioned chef mel in the past he has supplied us with food at times at least in the pre-pandemic days but even still uh over the last year or two here and there um i caught up with chef mel at practice the other day because his real job along with doing some catering is he cooks for the players uh antonio gibson among them and i wanted to just sort of get his feel or you know just talk to him about that, what's it like to cook for these players? How did he get into it? What are some of the, what's the process for figuring out how to help these guys? He's obviously not feeding them like the way I would be fed, like, you know, crap food. Like he's trying to get them in, into shape. This is part of their regimen for the season. So we talked about that and I think he even threw me a chicken recipe in there as well. So we'll get to all that here in a few moments on the Standard Room Only podcast. Obviously, you know the deal. You can find the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, or on the Athletic app, or anywhere you do your podcasting. And of course, go check out The Athletic. Uh, lots of good stuff coming up 
I will just say I've got a, a few projects coming out soon, and uh, I believe there's still a dollar discount for a, per month on there. If you go click on one of my articles, you can subscribe there. All right, let's get to some of the news of the day, though, before we get to uh, before we get to these guys, uh, these uh, interviews. So Chase Young. Okay, so not not exactly surprising news. Right, we've talked about this before. Ron Rivera, when he told us a few weeks ago that Chase would be out at least the first game, he kind of gave it away. He had said that he thought he could go in the pup list, and at that moment, he was thinking the pup list was six weeks. Uh, it has been reduced to four. The point being, though, that he was seemingly mentally being prepared where Chase Young could be out that long. Uh, obviously, we know he had an ACL tear, but a little bit more than that, his patella tendon. Uh, required repair as well. So he had some pretty um, significant injuries, and we'll have to see when he's able to come back. It's at least four games, which means he'll miss the first Eagles and Cowboys game. But that doesn't mean he will be back in week four. And remember, week six, they play on a Thursday at Chicago. So if he's not able to go week five, week six could be in danger since it's a short week there. So, you know, we may not see Chase Young back for a bit. And then, of course, even if he's on the field, that's not the same as, hey, is he 100%? Is he explosive? All those elements. And that's not even then from there getting into, has Chase Young improved his technique that things he needed to work on after what was obviously a disappointing sophomore campaign? So I think that is all something to keep uh, keep an eye on there. In the meantime, of course, James Smith-Williams has been filling in for Chase Young. You've got Casey Tuhill. F.A. Obata, Shaka Tony, William Bradley King. I have had them taking ten, keeping 10 defensive linemen. That was with Chase Young. I think everybody I just said, I think I would have on the roster at this point. Maybe there's an argument for uh, a Justin Hamilton if you want to play Daniel Wise, one of the defensive tackles more on the end, but I think he's looked pretty effective inside so far. Uh, Mark and I talk about him. So, I, that's the way I would go, I think. I'd, I would want to kind of see what we can do with Shaka Tony and William Bradley King because I think both of them are promising. I had William Bradley King on my 53 prior to this last game when Tony had a, a one-and-a-half sacks. I think that's an interesting scenario. But anyway, the story of there, Chase Young officially is going to miss at least four games. And, uh, you know, obviously that, that that puts a huge strain on the pass rush. We'll see how they get it beyond Montez Sweat on the edge. Obviously, Jonathan Allen will provide the the pressure up the middle. Uh, and when asked, Ron Rivera said today he does not know the timeline. And that was partly why they did this, because they're not sure exactly how long he'd be out. So, um, you know, now there's at least clarity to a degree, but we'll see where we're at in a few weeks there. Other moves that were made today because the team had to get down to 80 players, although really 81 for these guys specifically, because David Bada does not count against the main roster since he is still part of the International Pathway program. They put Tyler Larson on the pup list, so he's like Chase Young at at least four games. He's been on the regular pup list or the, the training camp pup list already uh, with an Achilles tear. They put Nathan Jerry on IR. They just signed him a couple of weeks ago. He is... Now out. Uh, they released Kelvin Harmon and tackle Rashad Hill. I know some people have asked me in recent weeks, could Kelvin Harmon make the team? And, you know, realistically, it just didn't seem logical that he that he would. And if you're wondering, well, why are they cutting him now as opposed to have waited? I, I think probably on some level, it's just a sign of 
um, I don't know if respect is the right term, but like letting him kind of move on before the big rush. Um, you know, I thought he had a decent camp. He and Sam Howell had a good chemistry, but that's very different than making the team. And, you know, he's not, uh, well, whatever it is, he's, he's gone. Obviously, Kelvin Harmon's been here for a little bit. So wish him well wherever he goes. As for one other move of note, Samus Reyes and the team uh, agreed to a financial uh, settlement he obviously was placed on IR last week. It's interesting because I thought there was a chance here that the placing him on IR was to give him a chance to develop for a year, kind of a stash. But that's not the case. He is now free to sign with any team he wants. Now, he can return to Washington. He has to wait a certain amount of time. It kind of depends on what how big the financial settlement is. But from what I understand, it's not something that's you know crazy so he could be back but at the same point you know there were a lot of teams interested in him when Washington uh, signed him last year so you know it won't surprise me at all if somebody else says hey we'd like to to bring you in now obviously there's only one preseason game left and he's recovering from a hamstring injury so he's not going to play for anybody but you know I guess you could bring him in for practice you know at some point here see where he's at we'll see he's he's got a chance to recover so it's not definitively that his days are done here in Washington, but he does have the opportunity now to sign elsewhere. So he and I suspect he'll have some kind of a market uh, out there. We will see on that. Um, a couple other notes here from from today. Ron Rivera was asked if any of the younger players are kind of standing out to him. He starts off with Eli Wolf, another tight end who was placed on IR, who had who had some good good receptions in the Kansas city game. I don't know what the injury is, but anyway, he's on IR. I guess a bummer there. If if the head coach is mentioning you, but two players who are still on the roster that Rivera mentioned one Dax Milne, who is of course in the mix for the six receiver spot. And therefore the punt returner position. He also mentioned defensive end Casey Tuhill. What's interesting about Tuhill is when Rivera commented after the Kansas city game, about some of his frustrations with the discipline on the defensive line. He specifically cited a play in which Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes uh, was able to step into a space vacated by a defensive end who went too far up the field and threw a touchdown pass. That defensive end was Casey Tuhill. Now, obviously, one play does not make you know a, 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 an assessment. So it's interesting, though, to see that Rivera came back and cited Tuhill as somebody he's been liking, um, you know, Good. It's good there. He's a guy that is, you know, he's been a starting defensive end uh, last year at points when Chase Young and Montez Sweat went out. He's a guy that's got athleticism to drop into coverage. So it's an interesting, um, interesting that he mentions him. James Smith Williams, of course, it does feel like he remains the leader to start ahead of uh, or to start with Chase Young out. But two Hill is sort of next in line the way I've been seeing it in practice. And, uh, you know, good for him that he, um, you know, got some attention from from uh, Ron Rivera. Rivera uh, mentioned also Tuhill had some improved his practice habits. We actually spoke to Tuhill today. I don't know if we spoke to him last year, but very much enjoyed. It was a fun he, he was a fun uh, guest, as it were, with the media today. Uh, just good enthusiasm. He mentioned he was asked about Ryan Kerrigan. Um, what's it like to work with him? And he said that when he first originally arrived here, Kerrigan was still here at that point and you know he he was saying how 
it was wild to meet him and now to be around him more because when he was in high school in band class, he rather than paying attention to what he has to do for the saxophone, he's watching tape of Ryan Kerrigan. And, uh, you know, I think he probably made the right call there. Uh, he's going to make a little more money playing football than I imagine his saxophone career would have uh, would have gone. So that's the kind of the news of the day. Um, I did ask Rivera, what is he looking for from the offense at this point now that they're through two games? He said that for them, it's just consistency. He doesn't want to see the little mistakes, you know, getting in and out of the huddle, lineup formation, and then obviously, you know, penalties, things like that. He wants to see a clean situation. Now, of course, you got to make the, the big plays as well, but it all starts with the fundamentals. That's what he's saying he wants to see at, 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 at this point. Um, you know, I, I think the last couple of days in practice, uh, you know, I think we've seen – uh, the offense at times makes some big plays down the field. That's obviously an element that has not been in. It's not been on display in the games, but when I say they make some big plays down the field, it's still sort of that, you know, up and down situation uh, that we've talked about a bunch before, but you know, it feels like it's starting to happen a little bit more consistently with Carson Wentz getting to a Jahan Dotson or a Curtis Samuel and obviously Terry McLaurin down the field. It only will get better when Logan Thomas is able to go, oh, I guess I didn't say that because I w- I didn't do a podcast yesterday, so apologies for forgetting this. Logan Thomas, of course, is activated off the pup list yesterday. Great news. Uh, he even said it's probably about a week before he imagined that it would happen. He was he was targeting that last preseason game, but he said that they were doing some. You know, he's been running for a while. We've seen that they did they did some athletic testing specifically on the idea of jumping and landing. What kind of force? He was uh, jumping off with, and then how is he kind of landing? Is he favoring one leg or the other? And he said he was he he figured that the left knee that had uh, ACL and MCL surgery would be weaker than it was previously, but instead he said that the numbers showed the leg actually a bit stronger than it was this time last year in training camp, and that he uh, you know the, the jumping and, and landing numbers were pretty good. They determined. There's nothing else really he can do on the side field. He joined the main group. Now, he has not returned to actual practice yet. We don't know when that will happen. But he did uh, start catching passes from Carson Wentz today on the side during like a lull in the action when the when the special teams uh, took control of the field. Uh, Wentz and Thomas started getting going on the side. And obviously, they're going to have to get that chemistry going as soon as they can. Uh, they, they won't have a chance to, to do that in the preseason. Thomas won't play this week. We don't know about the starters yet. So I, I, you know, look, you look at this offense, you've got Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson, Curtis Samuel, and the running backs, you got Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick, and whatever order you want to put them in. You tack on Logan Thomas to that. And I mean, that really can be a special group. I, I, I really do think that. And, you know, Carson Wentz needs to get them the ball and needs to do it in a consistent way. And he's going to be pretty aggressive with his choices, but he has the pieces to be aggressive. This isn't like a couple years ago. I mentioned Kelvin Harmon where Kelvin Harmon was like starting, right? Like, you know, there was a few years ago. I think I mentioned this with, with Mark Bullock, where you had like guys like Rob Kelly having prominent roles out of the backfield, not knocking those guys, but they're somewhat limited with their, you know, athleticism, their potential, whatever. There's no limitations here with these receivers and running backs. So, Attacking Logan Thomas, that's all good. Now, we'll see about the offensive line, of course. Andrew Norwell did return to practice today, as did Charles Leno. 
Uh, Wes Schweitzer has is, is been out there the last couple of days as well. That's all positive sign. I, I don't know if we'll see any of them in the preseason game, but I think that's a lot going to depend on whether Rivera wants to play Carson Wentz or not. Um, all right, so that is what happened at practice uh, today. So, you know, news, of course, with, with uh, Case Young, and that's going to be, you know, really the story to watch for this defense can how do they get by without him and then what do we get out of him when he returns um but let's get to now more on this team mark bullock and i as i said broke down a bunch of different positions now that he's had a chance to watch tape and then chef mel joins us to say what to tell us how he got into cooking for some of these players what does he do to help them get ready for the season let's do all that right now here on the standard groom only podcast Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. As promised, we're going to dive into the film with the, uh, you know, he's like the official film breakdown dude of this podcast, has been for some time. Um, my former teammate at The Athletic, who is now doing his own thing over on Substack, he is, of course, Mark Bullock, my guy. He, what I was going to say is there was nobody I was happier for that preseason started than Mark Bullock because he, He's only he's having a trying to figure out what is going on with this team by watching our lousy film breakdown or our lousy videos that we're posting from the sideline or the occasional highlight that the team posts. You can't figure out a lot from that. Now he's had actual game footage to chew on. I imagine for you, was it like an addict finally getting your fill? You're like, oh my god, finally. Yeah, it was very nice to actually get some new footage and actual, you know, clear footage that wasn't someone's bad phone angle or, uh, you know, only showed like one clip of the play and or the you know the, the typical practice stuff where it's um you know it's just a receiver running routes on air uh, instead of like an actual like team drill where where teams are running plays and actual coverages and stuff so um yes preseason was very nice to actually get some new film to watch and 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 instead of having to go back to last year and trying to dive into oh what did this player do last year and watch all of their stuff so uh fresh stuff is always good uh new season's always nice to to dig your teeth into um and, and get really into the season yeah for sure well so obviously the newest of the new is the quarterback new quarterback in Carson Wentz not just a new human being but presumably a new look with this offense because of the fact that Carson Wentz has an arm to get the ball down the field uh, you know we all know Taylor Heineke had a lot going for him. Arm strength, not necessarily um, a plus in, in his world. And, and that's the whole point of Carson Wentz. If you're going to feel optimistic about this offense, it's that they can open up the playbook, get more, get the ball down the field more, et cetera. Uh, obviously, I'm curious what you have thought so far watching th- two preseason games. And obviously, it's a very small sample size, but it's what we have to work with at this point. I think what stands out to me watching this so far, and this is obviously a lot of practice also, is just the the, the weapons that they have on offense. It, it is striking. I was looking at some old article I wrote from a couple of years ago, and you're looking at like 
the projections for like the 53 player roster and especially like at receiver you're just like oh my lord what <laughs> they had like nothing going on or even like a running back a few years ago where you know like I, I used to love like you know fat robert kelly but like you know fat rob but like you know yeah he's not he's none of the guys they currently have in the backfield right and just to see what they have logan thomas isn't even back yet he did of course uh was activated off the pup list yesterday but you know hasn't practiced yet and he'll be back here at some point Carson Wentz doesn't have to be the hero. He just has to get the ball in the hands of all these guys. But the fact that he can get the ball in their hands in different locations on the field, I think is what makes this potentially exciting. Now that you've gotten to watch a little bit, what do you kind of have a sense of, of, of that aspect Just how much potential this offense actually has? Yeah, I think there is plenty of potential there. And I think the encouraging thing for me with regards to Wentz is the, the process of, the, the simple things that you kind of take for granted, the process of getting in and out of the huddle, getting to the line of scrimmage, getting everyone lined up correctly, nobody doing the wrong assignments. And, and I think for the most part in preseason, we've seen that. And, and we've heard quite a few times that this offense is is pretty hard to pick up for a new quarterbacks. And we heard that last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick, that it was, it was hard for him to pick up and they struggled in preseason at times. And, so I did wonder how well Wentz would adjust to this offense, having been in essentially the same offense his whole career in, in Philly and then following to uh, Frank Reich to Indy. It was pretty much the same system, pretty much the same terminology. So um, he, he had to learn a new system. And so I did wonder how he would do with that, but he seems to have adapted just fine. We haven't seen any kind of, you know, uh, players running around not knowing what they're doing we haven't seen them not lined up properly and, and Wentz waving someone over to someone else and um and we, we've seen them get in and out of the huddle pretty quickly we haven't seen any like delay of games and, and stuff like that so I think that's the encouraging thing I think the rest of it will come um we see an aggressive mindset from him and I think something I've noticed is it may be more of a preseason thing just to test what their limits are but on third downs, they're a lot more aggressive. Um, and I think that plays to Wentz's aggressive mindset to look to attack down the field, but also Scott Turner's giving him the opportunities to look to do that and the freedom to look to do that. And third downs can be, you know, quite often everyone's just looking at getting to the, third, the first down marker and move the chains and keep the drive alive. And defenses look for that as well, which can lead to some bigger plays down the field if you're willing to take the chance of, you know, not converting. And I think the... The slot fade we saw to Curtis Samuel um, on, I think it was third and six, where he threw it down the sideline. It wasn't a bad ball, but Curtis Samuel couldn't quite hold on to it. The defender made a nice play. That is an aggressive call on third down, um, but it's potentially a very explosive one. And if maybe they got a little bit of a better pick from McLaurin and the defender doesn't stay with Samuel, then who knows, that could turn from a, you know, a first down conversion into maybe a touchdown. And, and that is the kind of, explosive aggressive mindset that I'm, I'm expecting to see from Wentz and I'm hoping to see from this offense going into the year um and the, the rest of the stuff like timing with receivers and the ball placement on like when certain breaks are happening and, and getting it out in front of receivers I think that will come um you know Wentz's accuracy issues have been well documented and, and almost overblown at, at times but um I, I think that stuff will come with more reps with the receivers and, and getting to know his receivers better but um, I, I'm encouraged by the sort of mental aspects of the process of getting in and out of the huddle and the process of um, being aggressive in certain spots where big plays are there to be made. And, and I think that will lead to explosive plays going into the regular season. 
you um, you talk about the aggressiveness. You know, obviously one of the knocks on Wentz is sort of this notion of he does too much hero ball, that he doesn't take sort of the layups there, I meaning you know, getting it to the running back. And, you know, we, we did see that on a couple of plays. Like on, that, on the play, he took a sack. It looked like Antonio Gibson was open, uh, you know, sort of in short range, didn't do that. And, um, you know, when he threw that on the first third down, uh, oh, sorry, on the first down, um, the first drive on on the first down of the last a set of downs, he threw kind of late to Curtis Samuel rather than kind of getting him out early. Okay, all that aside, the flip side of that notion is what you just said, the ability to be aggressive. And, you know, look, we've lived around here for the last few years where uh, Alex Smith, obviously there's the pre-injury and then the post-injury, but th- that idea of the game manager aspect, we're not going to hear game manager right with Carson Wentz now he did it did kind of feel like that a little bit these first two games in terms of the fact that they didn't make the plays down the field and it was a lot more you know high percentage underneath stuff but okay but like to your point he did he he, he is willing to go down the field and that is sort of the the um you know that that is the good stuff with, with, with Carson Wentz he's not going to be afraid to do that he's got to avoid some of the mistakes I didn't love the fact when he said about the sack that he knew not to do that, but then instincts kicked in. That's a bad instinct, um, you know, if to sort of run around too much. But this is the, the the good with the bad, and they haven't had somebody who's capable of getting the ball down the field. And, and that's the thing, like, you you know, you obviously are seeing what we're all tweeting at practice and these some of the inaccuracies. But when he hits deep, it's nice. I mean, it is like what you, what, you know, it's the type of highlight you're like, oh, like get me the 11 jersey. Like that that, that guy looks really Good. And that is what's going to be interesting. And, and again, you know, he's got the weapons to, to, to do it. Um, so when you're tangibly, you, you talked about some of the aggressive, what, what else do you sort of tangibly notice difference? They're not game planning yet, but tangibly notice difference with the offensive play calls or the, or the routes or anything with Wentz in there, or, or maybe you don't yet. Yeah. It, it's tough to say because it's, it's preseason and they don't really game plan for specific opponents. And and so they're, they're, they're trying out different things and they're, they're seeing what they can get away with. So it's not like they're specifically trying to scheme up, you know, Terry McLaurin in the slot against the linebacker or um, Curtis Samuel against a certain corner or Jahan Dotson against a certain corner. You know, they're not, they're not trying to scheme that stuff up. So um, it, it's tough to say with on, on that regard with in preseason, but um, I, I would like to expand on the, the went sack that everyone's been talking about. If, if you'll let me uh, like spend a few minutes on that, um, the, that sack, I think, Yes, it was a bad play from Wentz, but I think fans kind of underappreciate just how much goes into that play happening um, because it, it was there, there was a bunch of mistakes that compound, compounded into that mistake, into that sack. And the first mistake was that they thought a blitz was coming off the left side of the line. So Wentz slid the line that way, which left Armani Rogers, the tight end, blocking the defensive end one on one. And so when that blitz didn't come, Rogers was left one-on-one and, and, you know, Sam Cosme came across to try to help out and, and that worked for a stage and, and Carson Wentz was able to step up, but then the defender spun out and sacked him. But on top of that, they had, um, what that meant was Rogers wasn't able to work out into the flat as he was meant to do. They were, they were running a sale concept to that side and the tight end was meant to chip the edge rusher and move out into the flat as the, receiver in the flat to force the flat defender to sink into the flat and leave the sail route open deeper. And so with that, without that threat in the flat, Wentz didn't have his check down option and they didn't have anything to stop the flat defender from sinking back. Um, 
And then they had another issue with Jahan Dotson on the outside. He, he took an inside release instead of an outside release. And that allowed the flat defender to kind of look like he was in man coverage instead of zone. And that muddied the read for Wentz a little bit. So there was a lot that went into Wentz staying on a read that he probably shouldn't have been staying on. And that caused him to roll out to the right thinking he was going to have that. Now, obviously, once he gets to that point, he makes a terrible decision to double back on himself and try to roll out to the left. Um, at that point, he should either just try to outrun the defenders and, and pick up as many yards as he can running or just throw the ball away. And he compounds those mistakes by turning back inside and getting sacked, getting himself sacked. But uh, I think it's worth pointing out that that play, I, I saw Wentz getting so much stick, and especially from like Colts fans and Eagles fans being like, oh, it's the same old Wentz. And, and to a degree, yes, he, he did make that mistake, but there was a lot of other mistakes that led into him making that mistake. Um, and, and so it, it wasn't just a result of Wentz being this idiot running back inside into a sack. It, there, were, there was a lot of other things going on in, within the play that, that muddied the read for him and, and led him to making a poor decision to work back across the field and, and get sacked. So, um, this yeah, is, I, this is uh, why everybody calls Mark the nicest film breakdown analyst <laughs> guy out there. Um, no, I hear you. I mean, you know, there's, it's never, it's never just one thing. And it's a point even that, you know, when we're talking about, Hey, Wentz missed a receiver on, on a route in, in practice. I don't know what the, what the call was. Did the receiver run seven yards and they should have run nine or, you know, those types of things. Um, yeah. But yeah, but like, like I said, this is the, when you're, when you're aggressive, part of that is you're trying to, you're taking that extra beat to figure out how to make a play. And it can lead to some of these things. The hope is you counter it enough with enough of the big plays down the field. The Curtis Samuel play you mentioned, that guy gets the ball, right? You know, and yep. then, it, you know, you kind of go, you kind of go from there. Um, you, 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 we, we, as we just said, you know, there's no game planning here, right? So that, so everybody is just sort of running routes based on just kind of running a route. What have you thought about it from that perspective? And particularly, I guess, Jahan Dotson, because that's another new guy here for you to have some fun with. Um, you know, you've, you've seen all the praise. We've all been singing it uh, during camp. He's just incredibly composed and mature. It looks like both as a human, but also as a receiver. He's already like, it's, we've all stopped discussing, like, what's the first round pick doing? Because it feels like it's already baked in that he knows what's up. And he's already pretty proven to be pretty competent. But of course, the question will be when other teams are are, are, are planning for him and, you know, be able to, you know, how that he's not the biggest guy, all things like that. How do you defend him? What have you liked about him so far? I I, was, I shouldn't say what if you like, maybe you don't like it, but I imagine you do. <laughs> yeah, in general, I've, I've liked what he's done. And I was more impressed with him against the Panthers in the opener, even though he didn't get a catch. He was still running open a lot more often. Um, and, and often he was kind of the second or the third read and, and Wentz didn't need to get to him. Um, that There was, um, obviously there was the play with it where Wentz took the shot to him and, and he kind of got grabbed and, and Terry McLaurin on the other side of the field also got grabbed and, and they called pass interference and, and, and that stopped him from getting the catch. But um, there was other plays that he, he had a, a very nice route on a crossing route over the middle where he broke away from his defender and left him for dirt and, and, was two or three yards open wide open over the middle, but Wentz had already thrown the ball to the other side. So um, I'm I'm impressed with him. He seems to be a really smooth and polished receiver already. Um, He he has still made a few mistakes. As I mentioned on that Wentz sack, he he made a mistake of taking an inside release instead of an outside release. And and that might not seem like such a big thing, but it, it leads to 
very muddied reads and it leads to the the kind of the chat from from fans that all oh, these routes are all being run too close together well that they're, they're not meant to be doing that done that way it was it was a mistake from one of the receivers so um that still leads to you know he is still a rookie um he's not necessarily going to be tearing recording straight away but um i think there is certainly some promise there and, and you see some good route running you see um we'd obviously like to see him get the ball a little bit more um but i guess we'll have to wait till the season to see that because we haven't seen him have the ball thrown to him that often yet um but even when he's not getting the ball we're seeing good solid routes from him some nice separation um and, and just general good play from him and, and, and um I'm, I'm encouraged by by that and i think in general he'll he'll be a pretty solid receiver straight away yeah no i mean he, he looks pretty good he and you know he's um you know, to me, he's clearly the second receiver at this point. McLaurin on one side, he's on the other, and Samuel in the slot, and you kind of figure it out. I, you know, I, I'm not going to uh, put too much into what happened in this game, but when you have three receivers who are all roughly the same height, uh, you know, I, I, as we know, Carson Wentz likes throwing the tight end. Maybe part of that is the route runs, but also I would imagine it's the size of the player. And that's why I can see like Cam Sims maybe not becoming the third receiver, but having a larger role like that, you know, like to, to a degree than maybe we think, but we'll see what happens. Obviously they, they have hope for Samuel. I'm not suggesting he's going to get benched or anything. I just mean at some point, you, you know, how do you shake up that group? And if McLaurin and Dotson are out there, uh, we'll see. Um, the notion of, of, of Wentz throwing to the tight ends, if you had never looked up a stat that showed that since he entered the league, basically only Lamar Jackson throws to the tight end more than Wentz. If you had never looked at that, all you needed to know in that very first preseason game, he throws his first pass to Curtis Samuel and the next four go to Armani Rogers, a guy who was number seven on the depth chart when they started training camp, who played college quarterback last year. And Wentz is like, I don't care. I'm going that guy. And Rogers has done fine. He's looked pretty good, but like that is a, that, that is saying something about a preference. If you're going to that guy um, in your first, in your first game, like why do you think Wentz does go to the tight end? so much i mean have you i don't know if you've been able to tell through these games obviously you, you watched some of the tape previously but because like, i think logan thomas is poised to have a pretty big year assuming he's a uh, healthy just for that reason yeah he, he certainly does have a preference for the tight ends i would say in, in the scenario of preseason where he went to armani rogers uh, i can't fault him for the process he, he did it, it wasn't necessarily that he was going pre-snap i'm going to the tight end and nothing else that like he did go through his progressions and they took him to Rogers and they took him to the tight ends. And, and so I, I don't necessarily think it was a bad thing that he was going to Armani Rogers. It was just, yeah, that's, yeah, for what, sure. that's just what happened. Um, but yes, he certainly does prefer have a preference for the, for the tight ends. And, and typically it's a guy like Zach Ertz or Logan Thomas that, you know, has a nice catch radius. And, and I would think part of that is due to Wentz has some, he can have some really sloppy mechanics at times and, and that can lead to, the kind of accuracy issues that we've heard and talked about all training camp and preseason so far, where, um, you know, sometimes he can sail the ball and sometimes he can be a little bit placed in different positions and, and having a, a target that has good catch radius is um, like a tight end, a, a big tight end, a six foot six tight end, like Logan Thomas or Zach Ertz or even Cole Turner, who they drafted, um, you know, those guys with big, um, big catch radius are, are, are very important to that kind of quarterback and 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 that's why we've heard the the that catch radius being the kind of buzz term from this oh, team yes. the whole offseason you know uh even with Jahan Dotson Ron Rivera has talked about catch radius and and 
they're they're not they're not dumb they don't they don't like they're not blind to the fact that Wentz can be inaccurate at times and and that's there's a reason why they targeted these catch radius guys like even though John Dotson is shorter he still has a good catch radius and Terry McLaurin can still go up and win jump balls and as I say Cole Turner was known in college for his catch radius and and stuff so there's a reason why they they targeted those kind of players and it was to suit Carson Wentz because he does need those kind of players and, and I think it just so happens that typically those kind of players are tight ends because they're bigger body guys that they have you know longer arms bigger reach and, and the athletic tight ends can can have a larger catch radius than than some receivers so I, I think that's mainly why he has a preference for tight ends yes c- c- catch radius is definitely uh the you know the, the the term of of the year and i imagine we'll hear it plenty assuming that dotson and others um you know or ha- have have good success and are, are catching those passes you're like yeah where's that going oh okay got it they're, they're, it's we're, we're all good there um all right let's get to the running backs i don't know if you've heard about this but we may have a changing of the guard here it's changing of the guard am i allowed to say that to a brit is that, is sure. that fair okay yeah no, that's fine great um you know uh I go back to just to pat myself on the back a little bit, go back to pre-draft and pre-free agency. You know, I, I was talking a lot about they're going to look to add another running back. That was the feeling I had. And part of it was that as talented as Antonio Gibson is, that he was a bit miscast in this, in this lead back, you know, sort of st- traditional run through you know, between the tackle type guy. And, you know, you look at some of the analytics, he's leaving yards on the table, all that stuff. And to me, it always made sense. Like it, it always felt like through these first two years, like, why is it, why aren't they getting the ball more in space? Like that screen pass against the bills that he took to the house, you know, more of that. And part of it is, well, they have McKissick and I don't know. Part of it is that they want to run the ball and whatever. So they obviously get Brian Robinson in the third round. And, you know, from the moment we started watching Robinson practice with this team, you could see it was a different type of back. Robinson is much more of the traditional um, early down back. I've really been impressed with watching him sort of stay, um, parallel to the line it keeps his shoulders forward and, and he's able to attack and you know scott turner said the other day that even when he maybe misses a lane or two he runs so hard that he's able to get something out of it and obviously with gibson it's not been that case and we saw some of that even play out the other in this game last week his first carry you know not saying it was completely his fault but like you know he gets he loses a yard or two and robinson on that play seemingly um moves forward I actually think we're, we we talk so much about wow it's hard to believe that this is happening. I actually think this is probably the best thing overall that Robinson is the better early down back that McKissick is the change of pace guy, but that Gibson is sort of the hybrid of the two. And the question for me will be how do they figure out how to utilize him? I think we saw it a little bit in this last game where they're able to get him one on one down the field a bit, you know, swing him out, line him up at receiver to some degree. I think that's the way to go. That said, it is still jarring that we haven't even gotten to the start of the year and Antonio Gibson may already not be RB one here. Uh, what, what, what have you seen out of, out of that? Do you kind of like where this may be uh, heading? Yeah, I think, I think the, the case of Antonio Gibson is really interesting because when, when he was drafted, he was this kind of receiver that they were going to try at running back. And, and the, the feeling that I got was they were making him play running back so he could learn the running back position and they didn't want to put too much on his plate and and like have him do the receiving stuff in case he you know was spending too much time doing that and not learning how to be a running back um and, and we saw him improve as a running back as a result of that 
Um, and, and I think, you know, with the athleticism that he has at his size, what is he like six two two thirty or something like that? That's that's a rare size and rare combination of size and athletic ability. Um, and that should lead to explosive plays from the running back position. And obviously we haven't had that from him. Um, so there is a, a, a kind of, a, I guess, a cutoff point with how long you persist with, with him being the lead back um, and, and hoping that that explosiveness comes. And obviously the fumbling issues kind of accelerated that, um, that cutoff point. And Brian Robinson is a very good running back and certainly a workhorse back that is more than capable of, of taking a heavy workload. And I think he offers a lot more scheme flexibility um, because Gibson was very much a zone runner. He struggled with, you know, gap scheme runs where he had to read things out. The zone scheme suited him a lot better because it's, it's a little bit easier for on running backs with terms of reads. Um, and he still missed some of those reads and, and left some yards. You're absolutely right. But um, he was much better with that. Uh, and so Robinson isn't quite as good as zone runner and zone scheme is what they, they rely on, but Robinson is a solid zone runner and he's a very good gap runner and it allows them to the flexibility to use some gap scheme, you know, power and duo and counter and stuff that if, if they come up against the team that is playing their front to take away those zone schemes, that gives them an option to still, instead of running into that for one or two yards, every first down, they can go, okay, well, we'll, we'll change a different scheme because we've got a back that can use a different scheme. Now, the question for me is with Antonio Gibson in this kind of hybrid role, it, I, I think that role can suit him. It's a question is, is he better at that kind of role than either J.D. McKissick or Curtis Samuel? Because obviously both of those guys were kind of hybrid guys in college and, and Curtis, uh, McKissick was, you know, that receiver that became a running yeah. back and, and Curtis Samuel was, running back that kind of came of receiver so this is why i when mckissick we thought was leaving i was like oh okay this actually kind of makes sense to me yeah let, let get, open this open it for gibson to do this thing and you still have samuel who you know he gets touches out of the backfield obviously last year we just barely saw him at all but like sure go back to his carolina days he did get snaps back there and that's why it is i, I think you're right like the fantasy football people are like desperate to know you know <laughs> who to draft and when um but that is what's going to be fascinating. You can't, if assuming everybody is healthy, they can't all get the work and you do have to make a call here, which guy is best suited to, to get more work. I don't think Gibson is, you can't just have Gibson be a guy who gets like six, seven touches a game. On the other hand, then what? Like who is not getting yeah. the, the ball? And that's what's going to be interesting. Yeah. Cause for me, JD McKissick is obviously very good in the role that he does. And he's, a, and he's an excellent third down back. He's a better pass protector, pass protector. And Gibson is at this point and I think he's a better route runner than Gibson is at this point so I don't see Gibson taking that third down back roll from McKissick anytime soon and you know Curtis Samuel is just an outright better receiver than Antonio Gibson and I guess some people would probably argue he's a better runner than Gibson as well so is are you going to take Curtis Samuel off the field to give Antonio Gibson touches as kind of that hybrid running back slot receiver move move guy Maybe, uh, I, and, and maybe that's a way you help keep Curtis Samuel healthy and on a kind of a pitch count, possibly. But I, I think I think in an ideal world, Curtis Samuel's your number one guy for that kind of slot receiver hybrid guy, and J.D. McKissick's your number one guy for the third down back role. And that leaves Antonio Gibson as he's either got to be the number one running back or he's got to be the backup to the other two guys, and then that takes him off the field, unless they come up with some other package where 
they have multiple running backs and, and they put three guys in the backfield with Gibson, McKissick and Samuel and who knows who's going to get the ball. But Ooh, uh, that, that, let's go. Let's go for some wishbone. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how often they're going to run that kind of thing. That, that might be a, a very rare occasional trick play, but I, I, that's not that's not a sustainable you know package that you're going to use every week. So. Um, yeah, I, I think that that is the fascinating thing with Gibson here is that I think the storyline now is, yes, Gibson can trans, uh, can kind of transfer to that uh, hybrid role, but is he is he good enough to displace either McKissick or, or Samuel? Uh, because those are the two guys that he would have to replace, and I don't think he is. So um, I, I think this, if he's not going to take a, a kind of a fair, fair share of the snaps from and to, uh, from Robinson and Robinson has proven that in this game that he took his opportunity and, and could be a, a good workhorse back. And, and, you know, he has that history of Alabama where, you know, Alabama running backs tend to do pretty well in the, in the NFL and then they tend to be able to be reliable workhorses and, and, you know, they can lean on him. Then it's tough to see exactly where Gibson gets his touches now. Yeah, no, it, it, it's fascinating. And obviously, you know, the third running back, is going to have to play special teams like that, like just in terms of like the pure number of people that that's a role, you know, we wouldn't think twice about it. If it was Jared Patterson, when it's Antonio Gibson, you're like, wait, what? Even if it was Brian Robinson, we'd be like, okay, he's a rookie. That's fine. Gibson did return a kick of course the other day and it may end up being a more featured role. They don't have, you know, there's no, it's not like there's an obvious guy back there and he would be a pretty intriguing player there. So um, we don't need to assess him as a kicker turner per se, but yeah, it's really going to be interesting to see how they work this out. And, I don't want to, I, I think from a positive perspective, like I'm saying, Carson Wentz has plenty of weapons. The question will be, how do you get everybody involved? And you can't just say, well, we have all these things. How do you do it in a creative way that keeps everybody satisfied and, ma- and maximizes everybody's usage? It'll be really interesting to, to see. And obviously, of course, we eventually have to get the, the offensive line back. Uh, the top three guards are obviously all out this last game. We don't have to get into the line play per se, but that's going to be a huge thing to watch here. And I am. I think somewhat, I, I just did a story up on The Athletic this morning. Uh, I, I, I did like a depth chart review and I ranked the positions from least to most concerning. And I put interior offensive line like pretty near the bottom because at this point, Andrew Norwell, Trey Turner, yeah, they, they, they've got some pro balls and all pro stuff on their resumes, but it's, that's been a minute. They've got some injury concerns on their resume. And now you know, Turner hasn't practiced in almost a month. Norwell's been out a week. Schweitzer's had injuries as well. He, you know, doesn't seem like his what he had the other day is a huge deal. But there's some concern there for me, especially when the offensive line lacks a star at this point, right? There's no more Scherf. There's no more Trent Williams. So um, we'll see how obviously all that plays into uh, in, into things as well. Um, let's go over to the defense and the time I have left with you. Uh, we, we talked about how this was a, the, watching the film was a chance for you to see something new. I don't think it was new to say that their third down defense was problematic again. And look, obviously we can make the excuse that it's Patrick Mahomes and there's only so much you can do. And I think it's fair, right? He's rolling out. He's scrambling. He's throwing sidearm cockamamie throws, finding guys. And that's going to happen when you're facing arguably the best quarterback in the league. But as we know, it doesn't matter. Five, giving up your first five third down conversions, not good. And then the game before against Baker Mayfield, same thing. Carolina converted their first three. Um, bad luck good play by the quarterbacks or are you seeing the same kind of issues that were happening uh last year 
in the first week against the Panthers, we saw the same kind of issues that were happening last year. We saw the kind of miscommunications and um, obviously that opening drive was the only drive that the, the, the Panthers played all their starters. And obviously after that, they, they switched from Baker Mayfield to Sam Darnold and they brought in a couple of other backups and stuff. So it was a mix at that point. But on the opening drive, they, they gave up three of the first four first, uh, three of the first four third down attempts. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, the first one was a result of a miscommunication. I think pretty much everyone was playing man coverage apart from Danny Johnson was playing zone and the slot receiver kind of ran away from everyone because Danny Johnson wasn't running with him. Um, and, and that led to a first down. The, the second one was a, a, a third and short run, which they just didn't fit very well. Uh, I think Deron Payne kind of got knocked out of a gap, which was surprising for him. Normally he's, He's very stout in there, but he I think he tried to kind of shoot the gap a little bit and got knocked out, um, and that left up a, a big hole in the middle. And then the third one, uh, Danny Johnson again got beat in the slot, and, and it was a, a sort of quick scene concept where the tight end runs a shallow cross to vacate the middle of the field, and then that leaves the slot receiver one-on-one against the slot corner, and, and Johnson got opened up with a fake outside and beat inside. So um, they had some issues with, obviously, miscommunication and um, a few individual errors and stuff. So... That was a repeat of last year. Um, I, I, this week, the the first few plays were, to me, more on the call than anything else. Um, they had that third and ten blitz where Del Rio sent the slot corner and I think safety as well after uh, Mahomes and, and Mahomes. The whole of last year, like yes, you don't game plan for things in the preseason. That 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 is a good caveat, and you don't game plan for preseason. You, you're not doing like specific work on the opponent to go, well, Mahomes is strong against the blitz and you need to drop into coverage. You, you don't worry right. about that stuff. But the whole last season, the whole theme of the Chiefs last year was Mahomes absolutely shreds anyone that blitzes him and he struggles when you play lots of coverage. And so on third and 10 to then send six guys on a rush, both a safety and a slot corner and the front four. And then that leaves Cam Curl playing kind of a, hybrid linebacker role to have to try to sprint out to cover the slot receiver at the scene that is not a nice call for his defense that doesn't put his defense in a great position and again it might have just been trying something in preseason to see what he could get away with and it just happened to be that they were playing Mahomes but um, that shredded them then but after that I actually thought the coverage unit played well um, and I wrote about that this morning a day of recording anyway um, that but the coverage unit played well and they were let down by a lack of containment and they, they were doing really well passing off routes and, and covering things initially and Mahomes had nowhere to go with the ball and Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen were consistently generating pressure off of one side. Um, the issue would be typically the defensive end on the other side was not containing Mahomes in the pocket and then that would allow Mahomes to either roll out or you know escape the pocket and I think on a couple of times, James Smith-Williams was the defensive end on, on the other side and, and he dipped inside rather than containing on the edge and that allowed Mahomes to roll out. Um, and another time it was on the second touchdown, it was Casey Tuhill got yeah, run Rivera, by. Right, Rivera, yeah. and Rivera called that one out specifically as yeah. to, uh, you know, Mahomes stepped into the space that Tuhill weren't too far up the field. And, and you know, even with Cam Curl defending the tight end pretty well, he was able to, you know, fire it, it in there. Um, exactly. 
yeah, yeah, no, for for sure. All right, let's do this really quick because I need, I need, I'm keeping you too long, and you've got, you know, you got a busy life over there. Uh, let's go through each level of the defense. I'll ask you a quick question and just give me like a 30 second or so response. And um, the defensive line, you mentioned, okay, so we don't know when Chase Young is coming back. It's at least out week one. I'm going to guess it could be three to six weeks. We'll see. So somebody else has to fill in. James Smith Williams has been primarily the guy that they've been starting. You've got Smith Williams. You got Two Hill. You got F.A. Obata. And we'll see, do Shaka Tony, William Bradley King, one or both of them make the roster? I don't know if both can make it, but one of them. If you could pick any one of them to be the guy to start opposite Sweat, maybe at least from the perspective of getting a pass rush or whatever you, whatever for you is the biggest thing, who would you go with? I, I think the more stout player would be Smith Williams. Um, but I, as I say, he got knocked out of his gap a few times where he, he made the decision to jump inside when he should have played contain. Um, so there's a little bit of a lack of awareness from him. I, I think he gives them the best pass rush option though. Um, with the caveat of Shaka Tony obviously is the most explosive player, but we've still not seen him really take on top quality NFL offensive linemen. So um I, I think he would be the guy. Uh, I would still personally like to see them add a veteran um, that could be a little bit more reliable in that regard. Um, uh, Casey Tuhill is kind of this hybrid guy that is someone that they don't mind dropping into coverage when when they want to use a blitz scheme and, and send a linebacker inside and have the edge drop off. And, and he's useful at that, and he's a solid run defender. Um, so if they want to go that route and, and kind of generate more pressure from blitzes and stuff, then that would be the route to go. But I, I think if you want to just rush the front four, um, James Smith-Williams, if he can improve his kind of discipline and his, his rush discipline, that would be the guy I'd go for. You know, Shaka Tony had a one and a half sacks in this game, but it was against the deeper backups. To my eye watching practice, I kept feeling like William Bradley King and Bunby Rutini. I just seemed to notice them more when I was, whether it was drills or practices than I was Shaka Tony. But obviously Tony's the one that made the team out right last year. And, had the sack, so we'll see how they go um, there. Uh, let's go to the secondary. Uh, the starting four is back, plus then a bunch of sort of um, younger guy, random pieces behind them. They have a ton of uh, position flexibility at safety. That 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 seems obvious. They can move guys all over the place. So I think that's good. What what do you like? What what has stood out to you? I guess just watching the secondary, whether it's a, a player or better communication, whatever, what's the thing that stood out to you so far? Uh, I would say that uh, Bobby McCain and Cam Kroll as a safety partnership is really developing nicely. Um, and, and the communication in general is better back there because those two are more solid and, and they, those two are understanding better what they're doing and, and can trust the, the guys outside are, are knowing what they're doing. Um, and we, we saw that last week with, with Bobby McCain um, came down and attacked a, a crossing route and he trusted William Jackson to peel off and place him deep and Jackson did that and, and that took away the, the crossing route So uh, at, while keeping them safe uh, against deeper shots so um, I, I'm seeing a lot better sort of communication amongst those the starting four and, and I think Bob McCain has started really well this preseason and, and looks really good um, and, and his communication with Cam Crow um, I, I was kind of talking about it with the the third downs earlier um, against the Chiefs, but we, we saw them passing off routes a lot better. And that was an issue for them last year where McCain and, and Collins weren't on the same page and, and they weren't passing off routes very well. Whereas Cam Curl can be relied on back there and, and those two have much better communication and they were passing off routes between each other very well. Um, and, and that leads to, you know, receivers not running open quite so often. 
Um, and uh, I'll put you on the spot with this. You've both only been watching a couple games. I think St. Juice didn't even play in the first game. So he's a he's a cover corner, maybe the biggest slot corner in the league. And then you have the other the other nickel is Derek Forrest, which gives you more of that run defendery type guy, though he's been playing a bit in the back end with Cam Curl closer to the line. Which one do you think is going to be more the most effective lineup for this group? The the, the St. Juice as the cover corner in the slot at six three or Forrest with would give you that three safety look they had last year. Or do you prefer one or the other? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think for me, St. Juice is the better overall player. Um, I, I, schematically, like it, it can that that position can kind of switch between those two, two fairly easily. I think the upside of St. Juice with his size that he could play those different spots, um, like being the either kind of the, the bigger nickel and, and covering bigger tight ends or also matching up against slot receivers. Um, I would just like to see him be allowed to sit on the line of scrimmage and press a little bit more because that's what he does best. Um, but I, I think he's the better overall player than Forrest for me. I, I think Forrest has shown some nice energy and, and a few big hits, but I think he still gets a little bit lost in coverage at times and, and gets beaten a few times. So um, for me, St. Juiced is, is the better player. So that's where I would go with, with the nickel package. All right, last but not least, this is going to make or break how people feel about this team. Jamin Davis. I mean, the, I, in, the, in the story I just did about ranking the depth of the, the positions like most to least, least to most concerning, I put linebacker last. Now, I am factoring in depth and that this is probably my bigger issue here, but also like what's the upside, right? Like even if there's some concerns at some other spots, like I just sort of get what the upside is. I feel I still feel like the upside with this group is is unclear to a degree. Cole Holcomb's a solid guy, but he's not going to be much more than that. Jamin Dave and, and the depth. I mean, you know, I don't know what you think, but like, you know, David Mayo looks like he can play here and there. But Kaleek Hudson's had a pretty quiet uh, training camp. And after that, you know, Nathan Jerry, you know, whatever. Jamin Davis is going to swing this thing one way or the other, not just this group, but this whole defense, I think, because if he's able to be, it doesn't have to be Lawrence Taylor or anything, but it just, can he be a solid guy on the field out there for reasons beyond he was the 19th pick in the draft last year? I do think we've seen progress. I do think he looks more confident, particularly when he's at the line of scrimmage, when they just have him sort of attacking the line um, coverage, I guess will I think is going to be a huge component for this. Uh, I know there was that one play I, I mentioned, I don't know if it was here on the radio, but on the second touchdown drive for Kansas City, their running back, Mahomes throws a little pass to the running back, and the running back um, runs, catches it, runs inside the 10. Jamie Davis looked like he was sort of caught up in between. He didn't know whether to attack Mahomes or whether to cover. Okay. That, to me, though, was going to be huge for this defense as much as anything other than Chase Young returning. So, Jamie Davis, are you, are you signaling a resurgence, or are you still uh, questioning what's going on here? I'm, I'm still questioning it a little bit. I will say he is a million miles better than what he was at this point last year. Uh, I would still say he is quite a ways away from what you would expect from a first round pick. Um, because this year, last year, he was just frozen at the snap, trying to process everything going on and, and read where he was meant to be. Um, this year, he's he he still can be a little bit slow at times, but he he's playing a lot faster and he's not necessarily always hitting the exact right spot like sometimes he'll read the pulling guard and he'll quickly attack his gap but he'll attack the wrong shoulder of the guard and those are small details that he will pick up as he 
plays more and and progresses and that's fine and but the encouraging part is that he is getting to the gap and meeting the guard in the hole rather than you know letting the guard work through the hole and five yards down the field and meeting him up there so he's playing a lot faster um but he's not as you mentioned that play i was going to bring that play up where he was kind of I, I think what he had was man coverage responsibilities on the running back and he thought the back was staying in to protect so he started to blitz and then the back released and he kind of paused and was like oh should i run with this should i attack and then decided to blitz and left the back wide open and so there is still little mistakes like that where he's not 100 percent sure exactly what he's doing and, and and gets his read wrong so i still think he's not quite the player that they would like, like him to be certainly not the first round pick that they were hoping to get but i think there are positive steps forward um i, I do question this uh kind of blitz role this linebacker um rush linebacker role that everyone kind of wants him to be michael parsons and and the reason Parsons is so good is because he has natural bend on the edge and has explosive bend and then has some pass rush moves. Jamie Davis is an athletic guy, but he doesn't have that natural bend that Parsons has coming off the edge. And he doesn't, he, I've yet to really seen real good pass rush moves from him. Like he, he had a couple of blitzes in, in this game where the offensive lineman just picked him up very easy. Um, and he had no secondary rush. So I still question exactly what his role is going to be. Um, but I do think there are some encouraging signs. He's playing a lot faster than he was last year. Um, and hopefully with more playing time, he'll pick up like the smaller details of I need to attack this shoulder of the guard or I need to be in this gap rather than that gap. And, and, and that will see him progress into being the player they hoped he could be. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think if I if I'm right uh, on the play, you mentioned before the play where they where they blitz St. Juice and Derek Forrest from the Mahomes' right side. If I looked at that right, I think Jamin Davis was playing basically defensive end on the other side on that play. Um, and I and I almost wonder on some level, is this a way for them to um, with questions about the other uh, defensive end, like a way to you know go with the three obvious defensive linemen, have Jamin Davis to some degree play and a little bit and then have uh you know six defensive backs especially if you're going up against you know whatever four receivers or, or you know a dynamic sure. quarterback uh, but you're right i mean i think i think there's reason to be optimistic and at the same point you know we'll see how how, how this goes um for sure all right um mark i've kept you long enough uh at mark bullock nfl on twitter uh go find it with mark bullock.substack.com yeah. uh to, to go find his film film breakdowns obviously it's a it's a great uh read always and uh anything else we need to know uh you 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 know life okay across the pond you guys are uh you know we're, we're, we're happy with uh we got, we got a world cup coming up soon right our us and, and britain are in the same uh group right yes we are uh we are playing the us uh in the world cup in uh, is it november i think um so will, yes, will you that, be breaking down will you be breaking down those types of uh uh x's and o's <laughs> ahead of the world cup i think there's plenty of people in the soccer world that uh can do that better than i can so uh I, I probably won't be doing that but i will certainly be um i'll be very quiet if the u.s somehow happens to win that game uh and i will be very loud on twitter if england manages to uh win that game as i expect them to all right well we may have to have you uh but we'll obviously have you back on regardless but we'll have to have you back on ahead of that to to, to discuss that maybe figure out a a wager uh, or, or something along the way. Uh, dude, I appreciate it. Great catching up. Glad you got some film to break down. We'll talk soon. 
of course anytime all right joining me here on the podcast we are uh practice is about to start we're standing here a few feet away from the field this is uh everybody's favorite person out here because Everybody, what does everybody want most in life? Food. Oh, want food. Food. And this is the guy who's given, he gives, he brings us food sometimes, but he's also supplying food for some of the players out here. He is, of course, the great Chef Mel. My guy, you are, it's early morning, but you're out here, you're ready to go. Yeah. And, and like, for me, it's just getting started. What time did you get up today to start, uh, to start every, making? I'm, I'm up every morning at four o'clock. I'm up every morning at four o'clock and then at night. I just basically like all day just in the kitchen. <laughs> and then if I'm not in the kitchen, I'm out here right now seeing these guys and checking them out. And see how much fuel I need to put back in them, you know, as they practice. I mean, you've got your own catering business, but you also um, work with other players. You've been doing this for a lot. You have, you worked with Landon Collins in the past. Mm-hmm. You worked with Antonio Gibson, and you were there for him to try to figure out how to how to how to get the weight down and get in some better shape coming coming out here. How, how did how, how did you first get into this? Where you became like you're more of a staple here than anybody here, no, other than maybe John Kime. Like how did how did you kind of get sort of behind the doors to get in with these guys? Oh man, I just I just actually just work with these guys, man. These guys uh, trust me to, to work with them and fuel them with the right uh, foods and stuff like that for their diets. So it's basically like these guys uh, trusting me, and I and I just want to be there for them to make sure that they to stay here and have longevity with playing time. Who was the first guy that you had? Oh man, you want to go back in the crates now? That's like man. <laughs> I go back down to Chris Samuels, man. Okay. Yeah, wow. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. So, so uh, you're making food. Like, it's one thing if like you're at a you know a, 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 a sort of a, a meal a meal hall situation, uh-huh. and the and they're making food for all 50 guys, 90 guys, whatever we're at. You're doing it though, and so everybody kind of gets the same stuff to a degree. But you're doing individual portions, and it's very different. You mentioned Chris Samuel. I know Keith Ishmael is one of your guys, so we're talking a big lineman. And then you've got Gibson. So I assume these meals are very different, both in terms of the the food they want, but also just the 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 the, the concept of the food. Yeah. So what I do is, everybody has a different diet and stuff like that. And these lot people pump up a lot of carbs. Everybody has to have carbs and stuff. But the thing is, it's about like you know putting certain vegetables in your body, certain proteins. And that's where, like, you know, from the lineman to the to the, to the the defense and everything, everybody has different diets. But at the end of the day, it's all good nutrients that's going in their body. What, what So, like, give me an example for, like, Gibson. So, like, he obviously this year, uh, this offseason, he, he worked on losing I some weight. I did a lot of vegetables with him. I did a lot of vegetables with Gibson. I wanted him to uh, be a little more leaner uh, so he could run a little faster and everything. So, cut down on the weight so his running game could be explosive and fast at the same time. But- like obviously you're talking to him about like what food he likes, like what what's yeah. his what's his favorite thing well, that man, he wants that that's like, good. He like he eats, he eats uh, good and stuff like that. He, I basically have him on a clean diet, like so fish, veggies, that type of thing. I, I have him on. That's typically all the guys like you know between fish and a couple of red meats. That's about it. So do you do all their meals over the course of a day or only like the first and the end? It all depends. It all depends on what they need because like they get some stuff from the facility and then I get them after the facility once they leave. I make sure when they get home, they have a meal for them in the morning or at night. So, so tell me, so like, what did you make today? Like, well, well, I, how many different, how many different things did you make today? What did I you made make? So many different meals, man. So I made some bison. Uh, I made some uh, eggs, some uh, omelet. I make, you know, like omelet. I put vegetables in it, like zucchini squash and everything. You want to get your nutrients, like your vegetables, in the morning. The morning is the best time to really consume the vegetables at night, in the morning. You want to get your protein really in the midday. So your body could break it down more. I'm, I'm taking mental notes here because yeah. I don't. I, I, I've been on this planet for a long minute. I still don't know anything. Go ahead. So like you know, like you can still have protein at night, but I recommend protein in the midday, heavy on the protein in the midday. Especially if you're an athlete, you want to like a heavy on the protein in the midday, so your bones, the collagen, everything can build up. And then in the nighttime, you want to kind of go with the veggies. 
But so, if you're a big guy, like you want to stay here and go with the, the both. <laughs> so like for a guy like Keith Ishmael, who's trying to keep on weight, I presume. Yeah. What, what's like the calorie difference? Like what he you're giving him versus like what you're giving so Gibson? With, with Keith, Keith is um he's more on the vegetarian side. He's more oh, okay. on the, like veggie side. But he has, he does do a little protein, but he cut down on his protein and getting his protein from vegetable side. So what's the most random food that somebody has said, hey, can you make this? And you're like, uh, wait, what? What's going on here? What meal yeah, do you want? Nothing really random. Everybody's pretty simple and everything in basic. So it's like really nothing. It's basically like meat and potatoes. Not a lot of foodies out here is what you're saying? No, there's foodies. But, you know, these guys, you know, they, they typically eat the same thing. You know, they want the same thing. Sometimes you get a request for certain things that, you know, like they probably like they want their favorites, whatever. But other than that, they just want to just eat good and healthy. What? Uh... I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for for for, for sure. Well, I mean, look, you, you know, we've we've all uh, mentioned you on Twitter before. You were mentioned in the Washington Post story about Gibson losing some weight. What what's that all meant for you in terms of what your you know your career and uh, how is being around these guys like how has that kind of been interesting for you? Oh man, it's been pretty good, man. It was uh, it was it was really uh, a big thing for me to actually even uh, work with him on that. And uh, being in the Washington Post, that was a pretty big deal for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for for, <laughs> for 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 sure. And when you were like, so Gibson's out here, obviously, and you know some of your other clients as well. What's it like watching them and seeing them kind of go through this, knowing that you know in in a, in, a, in in some way you're kind of helping them achieve what they're trying to do? Man, I am so happy, man. I like I love to see these guys. I like watching them guys out here on the field and seeing them being productive, um, because like I said, they really take take this game really seriously even what they're doing with their bodies. So I really I really enjoy that. So seeing them on the field just make me get them back in the kitchen and cook even better for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, give, give me a little tip here. So chicken, that's always like sort of my my go-to. What's a, I, I am the world's worst, I shouldn't say I'm the worst cook. I'm just not an inspired cook. What's a meal that I can make or that people listening can, can, can make? You can this? make some no. chicken. You can make some chicken. Well, I, I would give like, what, what am I doing with the chicken? Like, I mean, it, you can do so many chicken, so many flavors you can put with chicken. Chicken don't. You can have chicken so many different ways, so many different flavors. You can saute chicken, you can sit here and fry chicken, you can sit here and bake chicken. And then also, the big thing is you t- chicken wings. Everybody loves chicken wings. Sure. So the, is this the thing, you like flats or drums? Which one you like? Uh, drums. Oh man, everybody's gonna get at you because everybody like flats. The majority of people like flats. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 I'm like, I'm like, I, I know that boneless wings are not real chicken wings, <laughs> but honestly, like. It's, I feel the same way about chicken wings and uh, with, with with crabs to a degree. It's like it's a lot of mess for a lot of yeah. for not a lot. So I don't I don't mind the basics, but everybody can yell at me. Go ahead. So what's your what's your flavor though? What's your flavor? Lemon oh. pepper like. Uh, lemon pepper's not bad. Uh, barbecue. Pa- 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 I was like putting paprika on things. Uh-huh. So, somewhere in there. I'm not I'm not the world like most. Paprika is like in a lot of ingredients. Yeah. You see that red in any seasons? That's paprika in there. That's that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. So, pa- pa- paprika is like my go-to on on the chicken. Um. All right, so so just tell me that, or just how about this? What what's a meal that you've made lately for these guys that would be like if people are listening, like I need to get in some better food shape? What's something that people could like make you think well, relatively well, easily? Well, bison is one thing that people don't really, people sleep on. It has a lot of protein. It's heavy in the protein. Yeah. It has like 53 grams of protein, so that's really good for you. It's lean. Um, you don't want to overcook that. You want to actually like just like get it in and out the the pan, quick as possible. But you want to put that flavor to it. You can put like uh, some fresh herbs and everything in it to get that flavor. A little bit of butter, and you're good to go. Chef Mel, uh, tell everybody. I can't give everybody all my no, that's fair. I I understand. <laughs> I I I understood. They can't they can't ask the magician how he does everything. Um, tell everybody where they can find you if they want to get uh get involved with you either in I don't know a personal I'm, way I'm, or I'm a catering outside. way. I'm outside. They can find me everywhere. Not, no, uh, literally that is true. <laughs> I've seen you in many places randomly. But like, is there what, what's your like? Uh, what's Chef Mel, Chef Mel, the Mel man. It's uh M E L 
on uh, Instagram, and then the same thing on Twitter. So yeah, I'd be, I'd be able to find me. All right. Well, look, the, 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 these these million dollar athletes are, are trusting this guy to help them out. So you know, I, I'd say hit Chef Mel up. I've had the food. It's very good stuff. Uh, my guy, I appreciate it. Let's go watch practice. Yeah, let's go.